honestly. To achieve. To achieve is having the will and the belief in yourself. Even when God gives it to you, still okay. que still question yourself. Can you do that? Is that real? Is this what you want out of life? That's the hardest thing in the world because when it begins to happen, right. you begin to second guess yourself like, okay, this isn't really for me, is it? But as God gives it to you and you start seeing these things unfold in front of you, then your hesitance begins to become a stronger faith. So that's been the hardest thing in my life and I would imagine, and any of my colleagues who have won these things in life, they'll tell you the same thing. It's, it's that, it's that inside above all else. Because you're gonna have family that doesn't believe in you, doesn't love you, doesn't want you, doesn't need you, but deep down inside, it's just you and God having this conversation and he's telling you, I already told you, child, with me, all things are possible. If you take one step over here, I'm gonna take two over here. So when you begin to take those steps, and he begins to make these blessings unfold in front of you, then your doubt becomes faith. And that's the hardest thing in the world. And even after it happens, you still have folks in your own family, your community, and around the country that, I don't know, they just can't accept the fact that you've done it. Right. And I don't know if it's because they haven't done it, and that's what my mother and them used to always tell me, people hate you because they haven't done your dream. They have the same dream, child. Differences between them and you is that you did the dream. They haven't, so therefore they despise you. They dislike you. They hate you. They frown upon you. And George Clinton, I was his bass player for 10 years. I'm the original member bass player for George Clinton Parker. So I'm on the first one. And I got another Grammy, which I, I got another Grammy, which I didn't bring, which I won under George for our first gold record, which was I Want to Testify. So for your mom and your dad, if you ever ask them about what music is 65, made them have fun, they'll tell you the tune called I Want to Testify. And we were out at the same time, OJ's came out with Looky Looky. And when looking back upon that, the journey, it's, it's been incredible. It really has, the journey's been incredible. And, and I love it, I mean, if I had my wife sitting here at this table to do all over again from an infant to right now with this mic in my hand, I wouldn't change it. I would not change it, I swear I wouldn't. So, so you was there before Bootsy Collins? Yeah, I was there with Bootsy. Bootsy had a group called, and I, let me set the record straight for you, the fans and everyone. Bootsy had a group out of Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived over in Queensgate. I lived in Mount Adams. Right. And he had a group Also, oh, you were originally from Cincinnati? Originally from New York, but okay. transplanted here. But okay. I moved to Cincinnati during my high school years. I was commuting back and forth to Columbus East. Okay. He had a group called House Guests, which had Maceo and everybody in the group already. Uh, there was a group down there, we used to record at Fifth Floor Studios. And the group that James Brown had in the studio was called the Daps. So Fred would borrow house guests as the backup band. So for many of y'all, well, the older people, there was a tune out called There Was a Time that James Brown released on, on the King label. Well, the, well, on that label, that is house guests known as the Daps. And that went on for James to become a platinum seller. Fred and Maceo stayed with him while Bootsy stayed over here. I got called in by George.
George was leaving, he ready to go solo from James Brown. George was the bass player for James, because a lot of people don't know. George couldn't play bass, play lead guitar like a mother. He can't. And he decided to step out front. At that time, there was a group here called the Fingertips, which was composed of two of my cousins and three other close friends. And we went down up to Detroit, did the audition. We became Fingertips Parliament and recorded the song, uh, I Just Want to Testify, Love Has Done For Me. Okay. Once the world's a problem, man. Yeah, you know, boy, I tell you. You know, we, that, okay. was, that was my first big hit. And... Uh, as I said, the rest of it after that became uh, I Feel the Ice Melting, which was the B-side of the record label. And it went on to become a, a good seller for us. It didn't do the gold, but we did 400,000 units with it. But Testify went on to go gold, damn and platinum. So yeah. we were happy about that. After that, then Bootsy was brought into the poll because George was creating Parliament, Parlette, the Funkadelic, George Clinton and Parliament, Funkadelic. He was creating the units within his oh, own. Okay. So he told Warner Brothers, look, either give me a deal, an independent deal, or I'll walk with all this talent. And Warner at the time wasn't about to lose no one plus million dollars in talent. So right. they gave him his own distribution deal and his own label deal. That's how George got that label. Uh, we were signed to a guy uh, named Cecil Holmes. I'll never forget Cecil. Jew, a Jewish guy, loving old guy, rest his soul. Uh, Cameo was our label mate. Kiss yeah. was our label mate. Oh. And Kiss will tell you in a heartbeat in the interview where they got the makeup from, they got it from us. Because when we left the Midwest and went to these coasts, when the diapers and the spaceship and Aqua Boogie got created, right. Kiss was the label mate. So they started doing it. You know, so y'all we came gave out with the stuff of Kiss and shit. We come out with it too. Wow. So everybody everybody was just, just jumping off what y'all was doing. Yeah, everybody basically was, George wanted to create a dynasty. George wanted to create a legacy. So every album, if you listen to the whole album, not tell people around the world, listen to the entire album, and the album you're listening to will lead you into the next album. Because it's a trilogy. It's like, for you women out there, if y'all like soap opera so much, and y'all love Victor Newman, he always dying and coming back. Well, we did the same thing, but we just took it to another place and did it. But we did it. And that's how, that's the George Clinton story. George has always been like a second dad to me on a personal level, because right. him and my father are good friends. So oh, George okay. told me when I left, he said, you may leave Parliament Funkadelic, but Parliament will never, ever leave you into this some 30 plus years later, it has them. That's still play bass. And people forget that because they're so used to me and my team running concerts. They're used to me running the Macy's tour, the Coca-Cola Festival tours. They're used to me doing that all the time. I have a law degree in music. I teach music law in my spare time. And people are used to that. So when they see me on stage playing a white fender bass, it freaks them out. Because they're like, wait a minute. I've been on this cat for 40 years. Right. I went to school with this dude. I know right. his mama. What the hell? He played bass? And played, oh my God, you know. Greg, I didn't know you played bass. You never asked. Right. 
Say that's, that's one of the many things I can do, huh? Yeah, that's one of the things I do. I play bass, I play guitar, I play keyboards, I play drums. Because in Parliament, you had to be multi-talent. Bernie Well is known as a keyboard music director, but Bernie can play drums and percussion like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Tiki was a drummer who could play keyboards, slide trombone, and trumpet. Probably better than half the people out here. But he'd do it every now and then on stage just to shock people like, that's Tiki. Tiki's playing trumpet and playing well. Matter of fact, if you listen to Swing Down Sweet Chariot and that's Tiki and them doing that. Oh, okay. He, he came off the drum kit. He picked up his horn and he's doing what he do. Then he'll put it back down, go back up on the rise and go play it again. Yeah, I never knew they had so many people involved into it. I, I thought it was just more or less like just like a core of people and then you know everybody no, just branched off and did the parliament family the parliament family is at least 25 deep easy right and everybody is multi-talented everybody can is cross-trained everybody writes everybody can produce that's what george wanted because george is on his last tour this year it's the farewell tour for all of us we're all officially going to bow out and as they said oh y'all gonna go be old men now no, not me. I'm still going to play bass <laughs> right. whenever I'm invited, but I'm going to keep on being a tour manager for three of the hottest Grammy groups on the planet. Right now, I'm the tour that I have been for 15 years. I got to send a loving shout out to my guys, L.A. Sky and the Rick James Stone City Band. Okay. Yeah, you know, they're multi-Grammy, multi-platinum. Yeah. I'm the tour manager for that group. And my other Grammy group out of Chicago, guys said hello if they're listening to Shining Star, the tribute to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. And hey. on that same one is the other Grammy winner, Mixed Master Ice, my longtime childhood friend. Okay. Man. Okay. So you've been doing this uh, for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, 50, 50 years, boy. May 12th marked 50 years for me. And believe it or not, guys, it took my kids to actually physically remind me that I came up on my 50th. I knew I'd been doing this a long time. Even when I was getting presented the Grammys, I wasn't thinking about how much time I had put into the game to get one of these and then keep going back and getting them again and again and again. I never thought about the time passage in my life. And then I started getting that. Again, I didn't think about time passage in my life. I have too much fun doing what I do. And if doing what I do as a legal gentleman, then I'm either the biggest Don or the world's <laughs> biggest criminal you will ever sit around. Okay. <laughs> that is what's up, man. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Greg, man. Look, uh, it's been so much knowledge given out right here. And trust Real me, we got quick. more coming for y'all. It's your boy L Boogie for Teddy Jam, man. Show 83. We'll be right back.
in my grandmama crib Make my own moves, I don't like to fit in Cloth that I'm cut from is very different Unlike you females, I don't crave attention Don't care what you think, I am my own friend Game is cut, thought you get what you put in And I be so high, I be with the pigeon Pack so loud that I mess with your hearing Impairing your vision, my repairing your vision Yes, I'm a female, but I am the man Call me your highness, bow down when I stand My booty is flat, but my pockets are thick So many ones, you would think that I strip You chasing these niggas, I'm chasing these chips I left female alone and it's making him sick My booty is flat, but my pockets are thick So many ones, you would think that I strip You chasing these niggas, I'm chasing these chips I left female alone and it's making him sick Let me give you females clarity Let me give you females clarity A female like me is a rarity Hating as folks always biting me I want my cake now or my next move it won't be pleasant I'll fly in the high skies day or night After my candle gets blown down Then I'll smile, so where you at? I'm waiting on you, excited just to see mine I want mine, you know why? A long time, I want that Fresh off of a long tour Wanting it more, pecan ice cream and all I love the top, whip the cream Give me a bigger piece, I'll take mine Way before I say please and break me off and sing happy birthday I'm dressed and I'm in need of my cake Don't play, hey, it's my day You can tell by the expressions on my face I want some cake, I want some cake, baby Give me that sweet stuff, I can't wait, baby I want some cake, I want some cake, 
Yellows, I love it, but I'm a puppet. Put two Benjamins together and rub it. I know you love rapping boss off in the finest and diamonds. Cause I'm inclined, I hit grinding, striving for silver line. That Cadillac you sent to me is my favorite one. I think about you when I look up from my roof to the moon. Then you call me, say my hummer, it should be here soon. They just flip up in my plate to pearl and blue from a roll. I want some cake, that's the enticing icing for me. We kick it all, might even gun your boo, but never for free. They say don't buy your man's shoes, cause he'll walk on pads. I probably would, cause I only really wanted the cash Cake on my plate, make me feel great Look at the kids with laughter Safely enjoying what our hard work did Over the years, now the Lord's plan for us is complete Now you can blow them candles out with your peeps and eat I love cake Is that right? First piece is good, next time give it all to me Yeah, I think I need another piece, what you think? I want some cake I want some cake, baby. Give me that sweet stuff. I can't wait, baby. I want some cake. I want some cake, baby. Give me that sweet stuff. I can't wait, baby. I want some cake. I want some cake, baby. Give me that sweet stuff. I can't wait, baby. I want some cake. I want some cake, baby. Give me that sweet stuff. I can't wait, baby. I want some cake. Yeah, that was, your, that was uh, the cabinet and Miss A.O. Rose that y'all just heard on the tracks, man. It's your boy L. Boogie. Welcome back. We still gonna keep it going with the great Greg Thomas. Right there, like I said, was the cabinet, which is a group that Mr. Thomas had worked with before, uh, previously. Hopefully, Miss Rose get one of these real soon. Or, I wish you will, I'm sure. You know, we got him in the studio. I wish she was up here to see him real quick, because... Cause I, I know it probably should probably love seeing this right now. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, I, that lead me that actually led me into my lead me into my question to you, Mr. Thomas. Um, you worked with the cabinet, you know, years, years. I was years. their tour manager, and 
of all the groups of new people I've worked with that are disciplined, that are focused, and they listen, it's been the cabinet. I mean, everything as a tour manager, I asked them to do, they were always on time for meetings, on time for rehearsals. They were hungry for knowledge, how things work, and why did they work like that? So to me, y'all gonna be hearing a lot more from the cabinet. In part two, the journey continues. I'm telling you, the story's not over. It's just Spend beginning. The Turn the huh? page. Spin the cabinet. The cabinet. Oh, the cabinet. Oh, okay. yeah, the cabinet. We had them here. Yeah, okay. turn the page, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You'll be hearing All a lot right, more from them, and I am going to be working with them in the future. They'll be doing tour dates with me, and now they'll be doing their own dates. But stay tuned. Part two. That's what's up. Where's the Charlie Wilson? The up. party just ain't over. It ain't over. Say <laughs> <laughs> so it's just starting. So, what's your um, take on music from back in? Because you, you, I can go fit like like you said, fifty years. I can go five different decades, but I'm not gonna go that that oh, far. No, please do. So, I, I love it. okay, Seriously. you were able, you're able to see the change in music here in Ohio and pretty much all over. But basically, here in Ohio, what has been the difference in the music, and how do you think it came about changing to what the way that it is? Um, as far as us getting people out and in getting people seen and noticed? Well, I mean, keeping it 100 all the way around the board, the changes is that back in 1960s and coming in, actually the late 50s, all the 60s and 70s, in Ohio, people were more involved from a political standpoint. And yes, I'm calling you politicians out. You know who you are. But back then we had people like Dr. Roseman, uh, Dr. Jocelyn, we had Dr. Yolanda Robinson. We had real politicians. And ironically enough, I have to say, Emmy Sensenbrenner in that, in that group, because from Central Ohio, which is Columbus, they made damn certain that we had places to go, places to be, where writers could write music. We actually had real studios here back in the early 60s. Into yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you said that too because I don't hear about too many studios around because here Because here's why. The reason you don't hear is because it takes a political climate to induce studios to come here. Like I said, back then, Dr. Roseman, Dr. Robson, all them, they, they went out and sought studio producers out to relocate to Columbus, up on East Main, out on Mount Vernon, up on East Fifth, up on West Third Avenue. We had studios that were world-class recording facilities, white and black. Right. It wasn't just a black issue. It was a black and white issue. And these people encouraged that. They encouraged the economy by going out and getting other businesses to invest their money here so money makes money and it brings money so the studios could thrive. Because now these people could go in the studio and lay tracks. And actually, you could back in the day, you could do the whole album. You didn't have to send it out to be mastered. We had mastering facilities right here in Columbus. Would that be some of the reason why they say Columbus is a test market? Exactly. Columbus is that because they're the ones who laid the Dr. Rose and them politically laid the groundwork for stuff to come like Coca-Cola was in Chicago. Coca-Cola's on Groves Road now. Uh, Nationwide was located in Chicago, Illinois. 
Right. World headquarters is here, right there on High Street. So you have to ask yourself the reality question. What made you come from Chicago, Illinois, to Columbus, Ohio, Ohio and right. set up home here? Because this is where it, we, we're a military town to begin with. And that's what attracted them. Yeah, we got a, two big bases yeah. right in the city. You got Fort Hayes sitting right there on Cleveland Avenue. That used to be a base. And Rickenbacker Air Force Base, which my father was the commander in the chief of. Didn't um, Greenbrier used to be an Army base? Yeah, yeah well, Greenbrier was. was part of DCSE. DCSC, ladies and gentlemen, y'all don't know, that's where all the nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. chemical weapons, all the play that's toys all right around the are stayed there. That's where they're stored at. When something break out in the world, they come here and get the toys and ship them out of here. And all you got to do is sometimes go down James, park your car right there at the gate, and just look to the east and watch the activity. You'll see trucks coming and going all hours of the night, all hours of the day. Some of them under military escort. Some of them are on the federal escort. But inside each one of them escorts, there's a toy waiting. Somebody's going to get a surprise. And it's going to be good, but they damn sure going to get that surprise because it came out of Columbus. We're a military city. That's why our economy has always remained stable. Right. we got three big bases in the city. We all know war, war makes money. Money brings in the economy to bring in studios all kind of crazy and stuff. that's where it's going to so what you think has changed to, to have it to how it is now <laughs> was one simple word deregulation so after the Nixon administration and Johnson took office that's when deregulation kicked in nationally for everybody they started deregulating bases closing bases down as I said my father was the commander in chief of Rickenbacker well back then it was called Lockbourne Air Force Base, if you talk to your parents, it's right. called Lockbourne. What used to be the village out there on East Fifth Avenue, was called Uzi Alley, that mm -hmm. was all base housing. That was every, all the people that worked and lived for the government lived right there. Right. On Allegheny Avenue and all that. That was all base housing. And when deregulation came along, they said, you know what? We're going to sell these parcels of land off. We no longer want them. We don't need so We're going to go to private enterprise see who wants and that's what has happened over the years people have bought off what used to be a conglomerate same thing with AT&T was here and they chased AT&T out of Columbus that's right there on Broad and uh, out there by the cemetery out there by Forest Lawn AT&T became Fuji Fuji deregulated and moved out of here that's mm. why if you remember Ma Bell the telephones people yeah. yeah, had the phone you plug in your wall and stuff <laughs> yeah. that came up out of here. So when they deregulated, they moved the Dayton, Ohio, to right past an air bases area. Then the government stepped in and deregulated and said, "Hey, you know, you guys are a monopoly. We can't have you making the telephone, making the cord, supplying uh, work orders, and maintaining the lines. So we need to break this up. Tell you what we're gonna do. You can keep your work order here, but the other three areas of your business gotta go." And that forced deregulation. When that happens, money leaves. Jobs leave. When jobs leave, our cultural society collapses. Guys don't want to record here. Why? Well, the guys on the studios can't afford to keep them open because all the people that was recording there now are forced to go somewhere right. else, to Dayton, to Cincy, right. to Nashville, to Chicago, New York. They're not here in Columbus, Ohio. They're not in Central Ohio because of deregulation. Same thing with the whiskey and alcohol. Back in the day, if anyone remember coming home, 
coming home was the world's biggest festival. If you look and check the record book, I ain't gonna lie, never even heard. I, I was about to say I've never heard of that. What is that? Coming was that home, here? Was, yeah, coming home was the was ten times the size of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It was bigger than the. It bus. was here in Columbus. It was based here. It was created here. Check God, with your parents. Wow. Check with your parents. Wow. And many of the fans out there listening to the show, but someone please call in and bear happy. Yeah, go ahead. I'll yeah, call, call in. Six one four nine zero five nine one zero five. Check on that and call in. Coming home. Coming home was the largest festival on the entire planet with three hundred thousand people in a single weekend. If you count Thursday, probably three fifty. We held the world record for line dancing and all kinds of crazy. We wow. had free concerts. You could see Cool in the Gang. You could see the whispers for free starting at the Martin Luther King area and going all the way to Mount Vernon in the 20th. Those days were gone when deregulation stepped in. It pushed everybody out and pushed a lot of foreign interests in. That's why I always make the joke when I come home. You got to be bilingual to order milk on Mount Vernon Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said I mean, it's crazy because Columbus got so much history. It's crazy. You will never know until people talk about it. Yeah. It is a lot of music history, sports history, yeah, I mean, all that around Columbus, but people would never freaking know because they don't support each other at that. And they don't talk about it. Well, the reason they don't talk about it, and I'll be honest with you, is because it brings shame. Because your parents, my parents, they're the ones who built the city. They made it what it was. It was great. And then when busing came in for the schools, I went to Columbus East before going to Capitol University. Uh, it was basically, East was all black high school. Linda McKinley, all black high school. Linda and East would be like watching Pittsburgh and Dallas play. We didn't have as many people at our game as the professionals would because we had pride back then. Our communities had pride. The kids believed in school. Schools believed in the kids. Then busing came along, and suddenly your kids are now going to Centennial, which happens to be four miles away. And they're in all mixed environment. And I'm not saying that the schools aren't good, but honestly, truly, they don't have the interest of a black kid. I mean, if your kid lives on 18. I'm going to say them schools ain't in, good. And he's out there at Wal and he's at Walnut Ridge, out there by Bryce Road. Just the, your kids looking around like, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I mean, I don't know these kids. They don't know me. So he's going to get into trouble at some point, and you're going to get the phone call. And you're going to boy, what's wrong with you? Because mentally, he's uncomfortable with Walnut Ridge. If he's been going to South High, leave that boy South. His grades is probably better. But no, thanks to busing, they broke the whole communities up. Look at our communities now. We're not in one little group. Yeah. We're kind of clustered. That's true. Cause I ain't gonna lie, cause I live when I went to high school, I went to Independence, but I was like three blocks away from Eastmore. Yeah, that, that's basically how I was when yeah, I went to Eastmore. Was like, primarily, almost all black school. While you were in Independence, was Archie Griffin was going in when I was going to East, and it's changed. I never could understand that. I live close to Eastmore or or Walnut Ridge. I was right in between. I well, live close. You on the boundary. I was around the boundary, but I went to Independence. Which was past uh, uh, all the bridge. Yeah. It was in another direction. You, yeah. I was going to say, you, wasn't, you yeah. was gone. If that was east, you was going west. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, so basically. now you're at a school that well, you didn't know nobody. The teachers really did not know you. And it didn't seem like to you they had your interests at heart, like urban teachers. 
Back in our day, we had teachers that were so damn good. Let me give you always an example. It's now been, God, 50, 60, almost 60 years I've been out of school. Watch this. I still remember all of my algebra formulas from algebra. C equals 2 pi r to the square root, or D times M over MC squared 12. Yeah, I now, get that hot. Kind of See, I get that far. Right, now, now <laughs> think about it for a minute, gentlemen. Here I am, 66 years old, and still remembering all of my algebra formulas. So what does that tell you about my teacher who taught algebra? She was into it. She, she, was she into taught it. you the right way. You that she I can sit there as a grown man 66 years later and recite those formulas. She was a teacher. Now we have babysitters. Oh, yeah. Now it's definitely babysitters. Most teachers are babysitters. Yeah. I mean, I'm care. saying there's some good teachers out there, but for the most part now, kids are babysitting school, and some of the kids are as old as the teacher. <laughs> yeah, because. I'm serious. No, no, to be all the way real, uh, I never me. knew that now, like when it comes to like basketball, they reclassify kids. Yes. So they will basically make him drop a grade or jump a grade. So he can either enter college or be held off in college or the NBA or whatever right. until, you know, until he ready. And it's like, man, that's crazy. But like, why would you want to hold a kid back? But that's what they're doing now. But yet he has learned everything that's required to go for it. But yet, as you said, they held the kid back. And that's what I'm saying, even in sports, guys. But I'm more or less saying, like, the reason why they're holding them back. Right. They're not you know holding them back those, for education. Back in reasons. the day in the 70s. Back in the 70s and in the 60s, that, that didn't happen. That didn't start happening until the late 80s when the education process started that with athletes. Because when I went to Columbus East, we had the first gold medal team ever in the country that came out of high school. We had Eddie Redliffe, Nick Connors, the White Lamar, Grady Bobo. Imagine a team that went to junior high together went to East together, went and trained in the Olympics and brought back gold medals. Intact, the team was never broke up because we had principals like Jack Gibbs, Mr. Simpson. We had people that believed in us. And that's why I was trying to make a difference. Well, we had people that believed in us. I mean, as students, they gave us the chance to prove who we were. They okay. gave us the chance to pursue our dreams. They never told us we couldn't do something. They stuck their shoe up our ass and said, you can do this. And they pushed us. They said, but you got to maintain these grades, but you can do this, and we're going to help you do that. And I can take you all to East High School and walk out through the Hall of Fame and show you some of the nation's most greatest talent that rolled out of East High School. Bernie Casey, who's with Fred Stanford, is <laughs> out of East High School. Ben Cosby's music director out of East High School, Tower of Power, East High School, The Barcades, East High School, Parliament, East High School, that Jeff and Levy's man, the vice president, first time two brothers ever ran a major record company, vice president for Capitol Records, <laughs> East Coast and West Coast divisions, both brothers, both out of East High School. All that came out of Franklin Junior High School over on Oak Street. That's when we had teachers. That's when the community care. I remember going to East and we had a strike. And they said, no, black kids can't do this. They're going to be arrested. And the black parents said, if our child is willing to go to jail 
for what he believes to be right in education, we're going to support it. And that's how the new Franklin Junior High School on Brighton Road, which got bought out by the School of Girls, unfortunately. But that's how they got that school, because of our class. That is. Because our parents said, our kids willing to go to jail, take them to jail. We had Matt with Chris Dixon, Velda Boyer, Craig and Lee with Matt with They said, fine, take us to jail, but it's going to cost you $100,000 to house the students, feed the students. Oh, and by the way, if our memory serves right, and according to figures here, it costs 200000 a day to keep a school open and run it. So if you want to put Linda McKinley Eastside School, Eastmore, if you want to put us all in school, that means y'all going to spend $5 million a week keeping the building open. Now you can either let us go, meet our demands, or you can go ahead and spend the five million. We'll sit in jail, and our teachers, Miss Cooley, and them said, "Well, we'll just go down there on Front Street and teach these kids. We'll go to we'll go to their jail and this whole class there, so that they don't lose their credits." That's what the community was a community. Everybody went to bat. Your mother would beat my butt if she caught me acting up. You know what I'm saying? Your dad would put me in his car and drive me home to my father. So Mr. Thomas, a country boy down here in Maine and Miller, acting crazy. Now your dad beat him, whooped me with his belt and hand me off to my dad. Now I got another killing coming. Then I got a killing by my mama coming. You get beat three times for the same crime. You learn not to do that again. But that's I what remember made those us, days. That's what made all of us better men that we are today because of the environment we came out of. That's not here today. That's Nowadays, so it's about who can shoot who, who got the biggest gun. I remember my cousin come on and say, oh, he told the Bloods and the Crips, you really want to do this? Truly, you really want to do this? He said, okay, tell you what, come on up here, Maine and Miller. And, they, and they, that's when they thought they was the stuff. And my cousin got on the phone. I'll never forget to stand there. He took one of the dudes from the bus, take that beer bottle and hold it up in the air. And he held it up in the air. He said, Ricky, let it fly. And three seconds later, the ball exploded, and they didn't hear it, and they all got to looking around. Right there by Joe's hole, they got to looking around. What happened? He said, now, you really want to get in a fight with me? He said, because my boy's sitting down at the railroad tracks. Ricky, give me your 20. Ricky said, I'm down here at Nelson and Maine looking at y'all through the scope. Man, that. <laughs> and, and at that point is when I think realization sank in that, Okay, you want to play a grown man's game, we can play, but keep in mind, we're the government. So not only will you be bagged and tagged, but there will be no known document of your existence when this is over with. No address, no dental records, no high school records, no nothing. You didn't exist. You've been erased. You really want this war? And I think at that point when they realized, okay, we need to step back and take this blood and crit thing, turn mm -hmm. it into something positive. So when they had the Peace Street in New York, the Bloods and Crips realized instead of beating up people, why don't we protect people and get paid for it? And that's where you had the Blackstone Rangers and the cats with the red board, the, the angels. That's who they used to be. Man, if we can get back to that, it'd be all crazy. It'd be all gravy. But we do got to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, this was supposed to be only a half an hour interview, but we're going to keep it pumping after this break because it's a lot of knowledge flowing through here. A lot of y'all people There's need this knowledge. On. Hey, we'll be back in on. eight minutes, man. This is show 83, your boy L Boogie, and I'm about to put on facts by KG if my computer will work with me. It, man. Cor 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 Cor
No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. Bitch, because I'm so 100. Because I'm so 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. It's smooth mob. Free my first day day, they gave him 13. He done did 10, let my nigga out that pen. I put this on my mama, when you touch down. We gon' get this paper, nigga, we gon' get it in. Praying for better days, but niggas bout to feel my rage. Some pussy ass boy done put my cousin in his grave. R.I.P. Tones, man, my fuzz was a gone. I swear to God, a good nigga gone too soon. My mom's died, boy, when I was 16. Fucked up my mental, all I knew was get green. So I posted on that block with a 16. Me and Uncle Ron, that nigga told me anything when it came to serving things. God rest his soul. I never understand why my loved ones had to go. I'm Vicky, Uncle Jimmy, Uncle Dub, Uncle Donnie, I'm Kay, Uncle Ron, Cousin Kurt, and my mommy. Shit crazy, made a nigga wanna question God. Why do I feel like I'm being robbed? Why do it feel like I'm being punished? No stunting, straight facts, keeping it 100. Just keeping it 100. Shit, shout out to Payday, that's my motherfucker around. Play with him like a slime. Bitches going down, and when it come to TIG, right or wrong, bitch, I'm going blow. That's my nephew, green light, yeah, I'm on go for show. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. Just keeping it 100 because I'm so 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. Shit, just keeping it 100. I remember me and Maine posted up in the spot Feeling like two point guards, how we was dissing them rocks And we sold up the hood, fuck, saw up the block Had hella niggas mad cause they won't get in no guap Since I'm reminiscing, let's take it back to 11 Trapping with my G, Vino, man, that shit was tremendous Used to party, get high, get hella drunk until I passed out The only weak spot I knew to jump like a crack house Speaking of crack house, just take it back to 25th I was only 17, trapping out my auntie shit It was me, my cousin Drew, and my my big cousin keeps hell real easy and the big homie D We had that bitch on smash my nigga That was the first time I made some real cash my nigga And since then I just had to chase that bag my nigga No subtracting just multiplying that my nigga My dad always told me guys going get to the bread I said I'll be successful just don't let it get to my head So I'ma grind until I can't I'm the type to be up still grinding while you sleep I'm the type to eat the meal then I eat the plate Still feeling hungry like a nigga ain't ate it's more money to make, nigga. It's more money to make, nigga. Shit. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. Just keeping it 100, bitch, because I'm so 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting straight facts, keeping it 100. No stunting shit facts, just keeping it 100. Ronnie B on the track. Things ain't what they seem 
I know, I know, I'm my stuck in the dream. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm living life like I'm a king. I know, I know, things ain't what they seem. I know, I know, I'm my stuck in the dream. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I'm living life like I'm a king. This beat paints an image with hunger and women. So, I start for the moment and eat when I'm trimming. And since I write in the patterns, I scope the beginning. I know there's some people that's rough up from close to the rending. If I could think wise, because this not an issue, but karma will kiss you. Some talkers, they write with the pants from the shit to deliver your feet as they suffer their feet and they wonder why there's nothing left to submit to. I'm built like a king, you can have it your way. Serving these rompers, having a nice day. Cooking the beef that I cute yesterday from real quick and cash cows, not worth what I pay. Saw some potential, respect their credentials. Totems and things when I felt confidential. Hinder my mental by who's influential. Erase what they share like the muscle or pencil. Hold up, boy, hold up, boy. You think like a kid, you play with a toy. It's fun for them. Moment until you destroy as you beat on your glass like your first name is Floyd. Uh oh, these niggas think they fuck with me. Oh no, I study the game as I smoke with the streets for sure. I'm living the life I'm supposed to be living. Y'all hate that the life that I'm living is written. There's things in my life that I hope are forgiven. Cause I know, I know, things ain't what they seem. I know, I know, my mind's stuck in a dream. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know, 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 I Cause I dealt with the pain, but I'm still in this game. All it took was some quality oh, permit. Now I'm in hell in your cloud, freaking them out, freaking them out. I know it's the wrong thing to do, but it's calming me down. It's calming me down. I sit and reflect on the past, think about now, thinking about now. I'm done with the music as I will attract a new crowd, attract a new crowd. Progression is destined, I love being investment. My music the silent, my voice is the dressing My swag is the student, these women were testing My stroke, I choose and they always were blessed I'm making this song, maybe I'm wrong Feeling like Marvin, now what's going on? Marching like Martin till we get along As I climb to the top, now it's Jenny King Kong Boy, stop! You know these things will shoot you off the top You beating all on your chest thinking you high But I came from the slum, so why should I? Just sit back and I'll be humble, yeah I know, I know Things ain't what they seem I know, I know Yeah, yeah, my mind's stuck in a dream I know, I know Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know I'm living life like I'm a king I know, I know Things ain't what they seem I know, I know My mind's stuck in a dream I know, I know Yeah, yeah, I know, I know I know, I know, I'm living life like I'm a king, my loop. Yeah. That was a jandle with Martin Luther right there before the hell we had KG with facts. Hey, man. Uh, I'm sorry. With facts. I'm changed name up. <laughs> but we still sitting here with the great Greg Thomas, man. We do have a caller on the line. Uh, can you state your name? I'm sorry, say it again. 
Hello, Conda. Tanya. Tanya, how you doing, princess? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great now that I hear a pretty girl's voice. It was my father was commander in chief there. Yes, because my father was um, a sergeant at the time in the Air Force, and that's why we came to Columbus. And those apartments that were around that area, even like Helmeton Township, that was all military housing. Yep. And that was where the commissary was at. That's where we would go to the, you know, we would buy our groceries. And mm. then when they built DCSC, that was just the major hub because. I don't know. My dad never really told us, but like you said, just listening to you, you know, say and talk about it was like I was like I gotta call in because like nobody really understood like why we came to Columbus. And as I've gotten older, I'm 48. I now know like Columbus was a major hub. It still is. It still is a major compartment of the military, and that's what DCSC is. Like people understand that. Like you said, weapons were built here. You know, they were shipped out when we had 9/11. That's why they shut Columbus down because that was a major part of the military was DCSC and right that Air Force Base. Very much, very true because, and you know it to be true yourself being an Air Force brat like me. Uh, also, this word Tuskegee Airmen came out of. A lot of people don't know that, Tanya. Like me and you, yeah, the Tuskegee Airmen, the world famous Tuskegee Airmen, will shoot down a history of over 14,000 kills came out of what we said was Lockbourne Air Force Base, flipped it to Eddie Rickenbacker. When her dad was there, when my father was there, it was Lockbourne Air Base. So, oh yeah, I mean, I love a woman that knows her history. Now that is sexy. That is the history, and that's why it's so good to hear someone discuss and talk about it again, because African-American men and women we had such an integral part back in the 70s and 80s, but no one never talked about it. And just like you said, the coming home, I know what the coming home was. That was like our major, it was bigger than SS Festival. SS Festival wasn't really even around. Only thing was around was like Cincinnati. You had like maybe Detroit, but everybody went to the coming home festival in Columbus. And that's why they built that freeway to break up Mount Vernon. Exactly. It took them away. It broke up the city when they built 670 through, really it started with Columbus State while they built it there because they eventually they knew that they were going to split the city, split from the African-American to the white sector when they built that freeway, and that's why it's there. And that's why for so many years, it was nothing there but crime and because that was the hub. That's where we grew up. We went to, you know, CNS and <laughs> Bay. And we That's went to the, uh, the, the juke joints and Sound all the like city or ITA, you know, yeah. you got champions. That, that was the hub that I grew up in around the corner of the Yeah. Oh, yeah. That we, we grew up on, and when they started to disintegrate, they didn't do it. They just kind of built around. They kind of built through us. 
to segregate who we were. Right, and that's what I was telling uh, one of the journalists here, because he said he went to Independence, but he lived three blocks from Eastmore, and he couldn't understand. I said, that's because the way they designed it, to force you to go way out there, but that's when no. busing came in. Because if we didn't have busing, you'd have went to Eastmore. Yep, and that's what I say. We was, and that's okay. what I, I came okay. to Eastmore okay. when they first um, segregated, where we got bus to Eastmore, and I lived off of Courtright, and right in that area of Bettler, and you wasn't allowed to even go in Hartley at that time. We wasn't allowed to go to Hartley. You know, it was a chosen one if you lived on the other side of the street, which was Berwick. Yep. But if you lived on the other side of James Road, you weren't allowed to go to Hartley. You wasn't allowed to, you know, when we went to Eastmore, that was when it was choo-choo, and that was when it was like 84. They just started segregating schools. And I went to an all-white, so I went to Glendary in Groveport. I was the only black child until I got to the third grade. So people don't understand just how much Columbus was segregated. Also, It was up north, but it was still segregated, like it is still now in certain areas. Like Whitehall, you can't go to that Whitehall pool by Brewster's. True. They, they, they just added their membership to it, but it was segregated, just like the pool off of Deschler. That was segregated. Black people weren't allowed to go to the pool. To those pools. And, I, I, and that was in I remember the time quite well. I, you know, it's nice and refreshing in my travels to come home on breaks and do a radio show that is fresh like this show and have a caller like you call in who can actually verify and solidify the information that I'm giving people and the knowledge I'm giving them. That is so refreshing. It's so educational. It is sexy. And I applaud you. And whoever gets you for a better half, I'll be the first one to tell him, you got a genius on your hand, dude. <laughs> well, thank you, Miss Tanya, for calling in and, and dropping all that knowledge that you gave to us, man. I, thank you for... Uh, Thank you. Stay sweet, stay strong, stay sexy, and most of all, keep smiling. Appreciate you calling in. You know, it, this is what I'm saying. Here's someone that lives in your neighborhood, yeah. three blocks from your house, and know. she just verified that because of where you live, why you were forced to go way up north to a school that basically didn't like you, didn't need you, did not want you, but they tolerated you because of the new zoning law. It wasn't because they wanted you up there. Trust and believe, because I'm willing to bet my career right here, right now, had you stayed at Eastmore, you'd probably been a scholar because you were comfortable, those teachers cared about you, and you were wow. in your environment. They sent you to Iceland. <laughs> and when I missed the bus, I had to take the Oh, no, bus we won't even talk about that. Yeah. You just ain't going to school, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about I missed the bus. You missed the bus. You just missed school. And that's when now you got to deal with your mom and dad. Because they're like, why'd you miss the bus? Well, the bus got here. Boy, I don't want to hear that. Well, I'm just saying, you were put in positions unnecessarily. Right. And that's basically like with Columbus. Columbus gets put in positions unnecessarily we get put in things because we think we want to but in God's truth we don't need to be in those positions we need to stay true to ourselves 
as a people, as a city. Like she said, coming home was the biggest festival in the entire nation. Nothing, nowhere I could take you. Yeah, I just, got, I just got yelled at because I guess uh, I used to go as, well, my family and stuff used to go as a kid when I was a kid and I don't remember and it. you don't remember? <laughs> I was a blood. Like I told oh them. My God. Like I told them back then I was an extreme bookworm. I was like probably about eight, nine oh, at the time. I you know what I'm saying? I was an extreme bookworm. Oh, that was in the 90s, Lawrence. <laughs> Let me I try this again. You don't on. remember the 90s? I remember the 90s. <laughs> I don't remember the coming. It, it's being called the coming home because yes, I remember the block party. And that's what they told me is the block party was what was called the coming home. Well, the, the coming so, home, well, the block party is, was that was a nickname for coming home, but the true name was the coming home. Yeah, festival. see, I remember so it being called the, the block, block party. party. Went from Mount Vernon to High Street. The oh, block, it went all the way it, down. I mean, come it on, went all imagine, downtown and everything. If, if, in time again, imagine three hundred thousand people. You're talking about the entire population, over two thirds of our city. Two thirds of Columbus and Franklin County in an eight block area. Yes, that's an acre. Let me put it another way uh, that you can understand. Anybody ever been to the Macy's Music Fest in Cincinnati or the Cincinnati Music Fest? Okay, take eighty stadiums and put them side by side, and then you got coming home with room to spare. That's forty acres right there. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. And that was coming home, and you know we had you could see the whispers. For free, the temps for free, Luther for free, and that's when he had the chicken commercial for KFC, for free. That's when local homegrown talent was getting discovered because we had a kind of political environment that encouraged. Gracia Davis came out of here, the originals came out of here, Parliament. We all came out of coming home because we were allowed to participate, to be seen, to be heard. And because of that, we got record deals and writer deals and all kind of good things happened to us. And then along came the political change. Since Brunner died, Jim Rose passed, uh, lost the race, and then it changed. Then we got Tom Moody, who didn't give a shit about the community. I mean, let me ask y'all this on radio and TV. How can you be the mayor of a town and get a DUI at 3 o'clock on Friday night <laughs> and hit three parked cars and still be the mayor and test it positive? I don't know how to do that because Doug Henning ain't that good. Greasing uh, some hands, man. That's all it was. And that's what I'm saying. When we had people like that, our political and cultural climate declined. They started breaking things up. They, he was the one, like she said, that put 670 through Mount Vernon and split it. Then they put I-70 on the east side and split it even further. So now we don't have one big massive black community. We have chunks. And I go over there Mount Vernon, from Mount Vernon and the freeway to Broad Street boundary. From Broad Street to I-70 uh, to your south. Chunk. Then let's go from uh, 71-70 split at Broad Street going to the east. Now you pick up back at 70 again. We're in a box. So if they ever wanted to really cut the community off, all they got to do is go down the freeway because they built like a ring around that. And we're in the middle of that ring. So all the money that was coming that way got that's chopped that two off. Seven, that's 270 two right seven, there, that got, ring. Right, it got chopped off. It got cut off. So that black community Everything boxed in until you get all the way around there to, uh, in between... 270 West, 270 North. Yeah. Even then, you still got the V. Even then, 270 West, 270 North is a V. So they trap you down in what they call the bottleneck. So if they wanted to to cut things off, that's what they did. 
Then, like I said, Jim, along came deregulation. So when alcoholics, black folks drank alcohol, we were Budweiser, Coors, Shingling. I'm gonna take it back to the fifties. Uh -huh. Shingling beer, Stroh's beer. Oh, I'm gonna take you back on the time machine. That's when beer was beer. And then along came deregulation. And the whole time, and I have been preaching this for years, 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 and years. Other groups, nationalities were studying black people. The Iranians, they studied who we were, our culture. They studied what we can do and what we didn't like. They studied our laws. Same day the Japanese came over here. They studied the laws. They studied the loopholes and capitalized on them. And then, yeah, we had the audacity in the call to jump up and say, it's the white guy holding us down. No, it ain't. We hold ourselves down because yeah. it was right here in our own backyard and we didn't take advantage. It's like being in a football game and you down on this goal to go. And you, all you got to do is move 12 inches and score. And then you say, oh, we ain't going to be able to do this. I guess not. Now they're going to march you back up the other end and score. It's nobody's fault but our own. We are our own worst enemy. The enemy is within, not without. So let and, me ask you, how, how, do you uh, how do you think, how would you give a sort of solution to this to bring a lot of the nostalgia back to Columbus the way that it was? One, the parents that are still living, educate your child. Show them, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Tanya said, show them, teach them the history of where you came from. Because, gentlemen, there's an old saying that my grandparents had, you can't know where you're going until you know where you came from. Definitely true. Right. I've heard so, before. before we can move forward, we got to know where we came from. We got to know our history in Columbus, what we did military-wise, what we did commercially, what we did culturally, what we did politically. We got to know that and teach that and make them understand, hey, y'all got a heritage, something to be proud and fight for and maintain. Once we get that, then we can begin to move forward because those kids who have kids can begin to become generational. In other words, it's a legacy. You keep passing it down. Just like Jewish people, you ever see them signs say father and son? Right. That's legacy. They pass it down. They train it down. We as the black people have got to do the same identical formula. And here's the funny thing about it. I say that we need to do that. Actually, we've been doing it since uh, Nepotiti, since the days of Egypt. We were doing that, and we quit when the 50s showed up. It's called nepotism. Reach one, teach one. If you got a child and you know the knowledge, teach, reach that child, teach him the knowledge so that when you become a grandfather, that grandbaby now has the knowledge. Reach one, teach one. It's called nepotism. Promote from within. I ain't got to go outside this radio station and find talent. I'm sitting here with all the talent in the world. Duh. Why would I do that? Oh, yeah. Why am I going to go to WVKL Radio? No offense, Mike. I love you, Mike Reeves. And me and him work together. But I got three gentlemen here that are just equally as talented as Kurt, Les, and Roshan. And these are mega legends in radio. I'm sitting here with young mega legends. So why would I go outside to recruit when I got here? Promote from within. Nepotism. Mm. And that's what we got to do to get it back the way it was. Because if we don't, I promise you, when you get up in your 60s and 70s, everything you ever remembered about this decade will be erased. Everything you ever fought for and worked hard for for this generation will be gone because that generation is worse than Generation X because <laughs> they just don't care. They just <laughs> won't get it, but yet their hand is out. 
But yeah. the thing is, you as a father won't be here to feed a guy that hand. And it won't be nobody's fault but their own, because when you were here on earth and God had you here, gave them the opportunity to learn from you, they didn't. So now they're, they're that's so each generation gets shorter and shorter and shorter, and pretty soon it's going to be zero. And 50 years from today, I know I ain't going to be here. I'm keeping it real. I, I know I ain't. But if we don't turn it, start turning it around, don't worry about it. Uh, <clears throat> like Bill Bellamy said, welcome to the United Japanese, because they already own 90% of our debt. They own 90% yeah. of the country. Chinese. Yeah, Chinese. The, the Japanese told black people back in the day, go home, this ain't your war. But before you go, we want to leave you a little, little something the Japanese said. We're going to come and take over your homeland, and we're not even going to fire one bullet. Not one drop of red blood shall be shed, and we will own you like slaves. Hey, look around the microphone. It's an Andy Mike. Where's the mate? Japan. The components. To Osaka. They took technology and, and made us slaves, literally. Yeah, they really did, though. And we allowed it. We allowed Sun Valley in Southern California, which is our mecca for technology. We allowed them to come and buy Sun Valley. That should have never happened. That's why Google and them are raising hell now, because they know that the Japanese at Fuji and Yoshima are getting ready to make a move next year in 2019 on them to dominate the entire valley. with LBOs called Leverage Buyout. And this is some things, and as I said, I have a law degree in music, so I teach music law because there's a lot of young cats <clears throat> that think they got it going on and right. they ain't going nowhere. So let me ask you this then, when it comes to a lot of the young people right now and a lot of people that you dealt with back then, seeing that you dealt with law, what, what will you say that they're messing up at when it comes to the law part of the music business. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. And I thought you from never back around. then to right. now. Right, and I'm saying I'm so thankful that you asked that because it's simple. We won't read. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Ain't that what they say? You, you mean, want a black person not to not to know something? Put, mean, it in, now, put it in the book. Now, 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 now <laughs> sir, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did ask me that question. I answered you straight up honestly. We won't read. Right. You ever that thing say read the fine print? Right. You know, good and daggone well, black people ain't going to take the time to read that. <laughs> we are a picture people. Let me give you a little history on why black people get treated the way they do when it comes to business. We were spending all this money in England, Milan, Italy, Copenhagen, Denmark, Sweden, Japan. We were spending tons of money. Problem was we were slowing up the economy over there because we couldn't read. You know, we'd be trying to figure out what some said. And this irated the governments so bad, and their economies became stuck. They started taking pictures of a hamburger and put a number beside it. Give me a number five, please. Ah. <laughs> because we can't read what goes on the hamburger, and they're telling you what's on it, and it pisses them off. So to make things get too long, put a, num put a five beside it. Give me a number five and a number seven, please. Got a number five and number seven. And next person. And so now it came to America, so McDonald's, Wendy's, Rally's, uh, even back in the day, Sandy's, BBF Hamburger, they started putting signs up on their boards so when you walk in with your family and they see them kids, 
Dad, I want a number seven. Baby, what you want? Give me a number 10 with, with five on the side. See how quick that is? And they call the number back there to the back. Right. It shows up on the computer. Out come your food. Get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> Meantime, Europeans can sit there and say, well, we'll take the ones with the relish, Danish on it, and slightly a little bit of the horseradish because they can read like that. We don't read. That's why in entertainment we get screwed. Mm. They they don't, bend us over and they don't even use Vaseline to make it even, hard. So that so that was the difference between then and now. That's the difference between then and now. Back then, our parents remember, like I said, our parents that right. raised us. Look how we turned out. We turned out great. But look at the generation after you. How they turned out. Yeah, I wrong door. I tried to read. Over right, you tried, but yeah. they don't want to hear that. Right. So now they're stuck like Chuck. And then they wonder why someone old like you can keep it moving, moving. Because they, you reading and they didn't. That's the difference between back then, because our parents made us read, bro. They made us do our homework. You wouldn't go down and get nothing from no young lady till you got that homework down and your old man checked yeah, it. Right. Bottom line. Okay, you wouldn't, she wouldn't come over your house. Aunt, wrong answer. Baby, he's got homework <laughs> to do. Uh, he'll be out tomorrow. And you'd be like, mm, mm, mm. you turn three different colors because you want her. But that math ain't done, dude. Your history ain't done. Parents cared. They gave a damn. They gave a damn. We all made it. The generation that came behind us got jacked the hell up because oh, they don't want to read. I always say that. It's kind of messed up that we coming up in a generation where, like, well, a lot of people are coming up in a generation, and me and him, that they didn't have to go through all the steps to get to where they're at? Well, here's the thing. You went through it, but the steps were faster. That's all. Oh, you went through the steps. It's just that we made the steps a little bit faster. So by the time you got to step five, you was able to jump on step seven. See, we made that number six step real quick for you. So you said, oh, okay, that's six gone. Right. You wouldn't stand and tell them, what the hell is six? Well, what was, okay, I got it, I got it. Now, no, we made it so that we, you, you could see that you came to it. You understood what number six was. You knew why number six was there, and you were able to move to number seven. I'm talking about the generation that's behind you. They got lost. The generation up in front, they lost. I'm serious. They won't read, and that's what happens in black entertainment. And if you hip-hoppers, you rappers, <laughs> R&B people, jazz, gospel, you country and western, I'm calling y'all out on no carpet. I ain't giving you no red carpet. I'm calling you out as a teacher. Learn to read. Reading is fundamental. Fundamental. Fundamental, okay? So if you can't read a contract, how are you going to get a record deal? And if you get a record deal, how do you know it's going to be in your favor? If you ask the average hip-hopper, let's do a, P a PC deal, they're, they're going to look at you like, a who deal? Right. A PC deal. We're going to get a, it's a PC deal, dude. We're going to do promotion, and we're going to do distribution. Well, I, well okay. Uh, uh, we're going to get, the record company said, well, we're going to give you $200,000 to promote your record. Right. Now, to the average hip-hopper that don't know no better, 200 Gs, two stacks on the table. They happy like a bug. Of course, they're going to blow because that's what black folks do for the most part. We're going to get us a Benz. on my feet. We're going to get us a Benz. We're going to get us a big house. <laughs> we buy some chains. And, you know, we go get some girly girls that get in our pocket. Man, it's $200,000. But now your record ain't being played on radio because don't nobody know nothing about it because your manager, who don't know no better either, <laughs> blind leading the blind, ain't that it? Right. That $200,000 is still the same. No, I don't want it. I need a million to promote nationally. Because if you're coming out the gate, you might as well come out right. 
you need one mill to promote because you got to go record stores, radio stations, promoters. You got radio ads, uh, print media. You got to go the whole, you got to run what I like to finally call, you got to run the white boy route. Right. And if you ain't running that route, don't come out until you do because you need a million to promote from California to New York, from Miami to Canada. And we won't even get it in the international, which we will in a minute. But just in America, you need a million dollars. That's promotion money. And if the record label ain't willing to put that in you, then you need to stay back until someone is ready to do that. Because here's the thing about promoting hip hop. They will promote it, but they'll give you the list of all the records of all the record companies and then all the uh, radio stations, they'll give you this list. And your manager has got to be the one to do it. And unfortunately, in hip-hop and in other genres, comes down to business, a lot of cats aren't business savvy. Because to a real artist, a real artist, there are five people you surround yourself with. Right. I like to call them the committee or the gauntlet. First of all, a personal manager. I'm going to break this down to all you hip-hoppers out there, so I hope you listen. Pay attention. Ding, ding. School's in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Give, give them one sec. Sorry. Give them one sec. Okay. We gotta, School we gotta is a break. in, we gotta take a fellas. Break. Bills real quick. When we come back from this, get this break, y'all need to go ahead, break down, yeah, listen. Pencil, paper. Yeah, what? get all that. Get your tape recorders out, yeah. whatever you need. Well, some of them can't write. I forgot Yeah, that. some of them can't write. Yeah, some of them can't read. <laughs> like you just said. They can't. Like, what is that? That's... What is that, hieroglyphics? Right. Man. But yeah, we'll be right back after this, man, with the great, great time. With knowledge for y'all. Peace in my mind, for the right of you. 
least they used to. Tons of ones, baby girl, just to watch you drop You pop locks, top knocks Pretty titties to turn around and make it clap I love it when you're shaking your body for me Baby girl, now turn around and let me smack Smack, smack, smack that I'm rubbing on luscious booties I'm feeling so good right now It's like I'm in a room filled up with rooties Cuties with booties, excuse me Let me roll up my fruity Baby girl, grinding me so hard, my man It's like she really wanna do me She blew me, what? and screw me what? In the back Okay. Whoever said no sex in the champagne room, man, got they facts wrong Cause my max strong, and I love the club, and you can find me there Girl, when you drop it on the pole, you got me going crazy Cause it's so amazing when you drop it low to the floor You make me wanna holler, got me throwing dollars And you drop it low on the pole you got me going crazy Cause it's so amazing When you drop it low To the floor You make me wanna holler Got me throwing divers When you drop it low When you drop it low Girl, when you drop it low When you drop it low She's out there pop lock Still let Ozzy show rockin', show stoppin' Her back slightly bent, shakin', knees and elbows knockin' She got the boat rockin', clothes droppin', no stoppin' Got me training champ, Jarrell, big hand and hoes watchin' Little mommy fireman skin glistens like a butter roll She did the thunderclap, look like when tires roll Oh, no, you really gonna make me take it there Get it up, bend it ass over a table with fingers in your hair Oh, yeah, lay back, little mama, I'ma make it rain Harder than a hurricane, Katrina coming down on the window pane You make the whole club go insane Booty fat, can't see the strain And I love the fact that you stay a little mama when you're gone and do your thing you got me going crazy Cause it's so amazing You drop it low To the floor You make me wanna holler Got me throwing dollars You drop it low On the pole 
You got me going crazy Cause it's so amazing You drop it low To the floor You make me wanna holler Got me throwing dollars And you drop it low And told her pulling rabbits out the hatch for better showbiz And then she ooh, showing mad love when you see me I be popping bottles off a bit when you drop it low on the pool You got me going crazy Cause you're so amazing when you drop it low to the floor You make me wanna holler Got me throwing dollars when you drop it low on the pool, you got me going crazy Cause it's so amazing when you drop it low To the floor, you made me wanna holler Got me throwing dollars when you drop it low Yeah, welcome back to the show, man It's your boy L Boogie We about to get back into this man, This was basically, you know what I'm saying A two-hour interview well, here on show 83 loving every minute of it every minute of it boy i tell you one day one day y'all gonna listen but like mr thomas was saying he got a list for y'all sit down take notes for all you artists out there that want to learn how to get in this game and pay attention mr thomas as you were saying yeah <clears throat> as i was saying now the good school is getting ready to be in and it's gonna be it's gonna be real school, cold school, it's gonna be educational school that's gonna help you for the rest of your life. My job as a mentor is to get you ready for the real world of entertainment, how to teach you to stay in it and grow with it. So that maybe I don't know, I pray that maybe they'll get these. And those aren't easily earned. Y'all gonna see them If y'all ain't seen them yet Boy I tell you It's, it's a thing of beauty They real Grammys y'all They yeah. Grammys And they really shining <laughs> Along with that Along with the certificates boy You know my job is to get y'all where I've already gotten to um, So you know, here we go <clears throat> If you are a manager Of an artist Whether you're the mother The father Sister, brother, best friend If you are a manager Of an artist That has some simulants of talent. Uh, first rule of thumb, you are now the personal manager. And let me explain, as we do each category, I'm going to give you the, the breakdown on why it is. First one is you're the personal manager. Personal manager's job, well, what does a personal manager do? Well, let's look at the name, personal and manager. You manage and it's personal, that means if the gas get cut off, it's your job to help them get the gas cut on. If the phone get cut off, it's your job to help them get the phone cut on. 
if there's no groceries for your artists and they ain't got no money, it's your job to go to all these Kroger's, the Giant Eagle, and we'll get them groceries for your artists so they have nutrition so that they can eat. We're going to get into the health aspect too. If your artist gets heartbroken or gets played by a lady or a dude, you now have to be the psychologist and explain to them that that person was never no good for you anyway. The old saying, nothing from nothing means nothing. So you can't cry about something you ain't got. So if she broke your heart, she was a gold digger, or he was a gold digger. So you are the personal manager. Personal. That's what it means. Personal. You're in their lives every day, every minute. You are personal. Now, the next member you will hire under that is an attorney. Because, again, the majority, not everybody. So if you make a comment calling the radio station and make a comment negative, that means you're guilty. But the majority of people can't read past the ninth grade. And that's unfortunate because reading is fundamental. Fun to mental. So that means if you can't read, go back and learn how to read. There's no shame in it. There's no barrier. There's no time. There's no age limit. Go learn how to read. Because when these contracts come up, you better damn sure know how to read and understand them. So the next one is your attorney. Because that's who's going to legally keep you out of trouble. That's who's legally going to help you acquire other things in life is your attorney. That's the second team member. The third team member is your accountant. Again, some of y'all failed math class. I'm sorry, brother. They didn't go. <laughs> the bell rang and they went in the front door and walked out the back door during the same period. So, therefore, they missed math class. <clears throat> they missed the math class. And you need an accountant because... Like I said about that part of the contract about the PC, promoters offer PC deals too to artists when they say to guarantee against a percentage. For instance, we'll do 70% 70, 70 against a 40% split and the promoter has to pay the bills out of 40%. Well, out of 100, how much is that? Out of $100,000, it's 40 grand the promoter got and he got to pay the bills. But if you're an artist, and your manager doesn't know that, they're going to get taken. So if you don't know, hire. It's not going to hurt you to hire. I ain't talking about no food stamp card. I'm talking about real cash. Hire an accountant, someone who can count that money. Because the minute you screw up, some of y'all will end up like Wesley Snipes. And y'all know where Wesley is right now. You're going to be like Mr. Big, but you ain't big enough. You're going to be like Ron Isley. Tell me, la da la da la I'm in jail. I'm locked up. <laughs> well, yeah, and that song too Broke and it won't let me up Either way it go It ain't gonna be a good ending bro Either way it go It ain't ending good Because you can't count right. Or you ain't got nobody in your life To count your money And you need to make it somebody you trust You need to make an accountant And your attorney You need to surround yourself with people you believe in They believe in you They got your best interests at heart So that's your second team member your, your next team member is a business manager. Now, what is the business manager? He's the one who, as you acquire properties and things, he makes sure your bills are paid on time. He makes sure that money is paid in on time. So that way you ain't got to worry yourself about, well, they owe me a check for 20 grand. Have we got it yet? 
Don't you worry about that. That's your business manager's responsibility. That's why he's the business manager. He handles that business. That's his job. That's what you're paying him for. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, manage, <clears throat> personal managers get 10 to 12% of what you make of the gross, not the net, gross. Lawyers on 3 to 5% retainer fee all the time for lawyers. Your uh, business manager gets anywhere from 3 to 3%. Three He's also, these are percentages. This is why it's important to understand that because you're paying these people on percentage of what you make as an artist. Okay? So you need to know that. The next person on that team is your booking agent. And booking agent's job is to get you work. That's all it does. That's his job. Nothing else. He is not to be dabbling in uh, accounting. He needs to be up in the personal business manager's affairs. His job is get you work. Call these promoters. Call these other agencies. Get you on with uh, Cooling the Game. Get you on the road with us, with, uh, with uh, the Rick James Stone City Tour. Get you work so that you're working because as an artist, artists make their money. And I hope y'all write this down. If you don't call somebody at the end of everything, I'll give you my email address and I'll give you all the information to But the sole purpose, you make your money by performance. That means you got your booking agent has to have you out there on the field working every single day. They have to. Whether you're doing concerts, doing plays, whether you're acting, doing commercials, his job is to make sure you're working. If you ain't working, your manager ain't making no money, uh, business manager ain't making no money, your attorney ain't making no money, so your whole team is down the tubes. And you down with them because you ain't making no money because nobody's booking you. So the agent's job is to keep you moving, moving. Keep that cash. Keep them, them buckets, them stacks coming in all the time, no matter what category. Now, the booking agent, they get 10%. Again, wrong percentages. So if you make 100 G's, the booking agent gets 10% of that money. Right, he gets 10 racks large. 10, because he got you a $100,000 gig. So you see why that $100,000 money gets ate up? Because you're paying people. So you might end up with about 45, maybe 55,000, which ain't bad. If you make it 55 G's a night, what the hell are you complaining about? Yeah, the contract's at 100,000. It did say that. But you got people on your payroll to pay. So at the end of the week, you, you're still going to have $100,000. Now the next fifth person on that team, and he's the one you love to hate. He's the one that will piss you off. But he's the one that's going to keep you looking good, sounding good, and he's going to keep your head straight. And that's going to be your tour manager. His job, if you are a hip-hop artist, guys, listen up. It's okay to, to lip sync. <laughs> it's okay to karaoke. But at some point in time, y'all got to get real. Y'all got to get real, real. Y'all got to go get a band to rehearse those stuff. And and when you hip-hop artists out there that are listening, don't go get no damn drummer that can't play what you're putting on the drum machine. Because I be listening to drum tracks, and they play some ridiculous drum tracks that live drummers can't do. They can't pair a devil in nights. I don't know no human on earth to do that. And I know, and I personally know some of the baddest drummers on the planet. 
One of them is right here in Columbus, Michael Beard from the Barcades. That's one of the baddest brothers on the planet. And he'll tell you, can't nobody paradiddle nice in 30 seconds. It's not humanly possible. But they in the drum machine. No. Keep it simple. Simple is what gets you paid. Keep the bit simple. So when that way when you get a live band, he can play it. So what you hear in the studio, you hear it on stage. And that's the other thing. That's why you have a tour manager. Because the tour manager makes sure that your band rehearses every night. And I'm talking about putting in rehearsal is like a job. Rehearsal four to six hours, eight hours of rehearsal all the time. Because if people are paying 50, 60, 70, 105, $250 a ticket, and y'all crazy for paying that, but that is y'all's choice. But if you're going to pay the money, at least sound like the CD. Sound like the CD goes one of the greatest fallacies that happened in my years of music was I remember we were in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. It was Charlie Wilson, the Gap Band. Uh, Goody was the opening act. Coon the Gang was the co-headliner. And the Heisley Brothers were special guests. Everybody came out the gate. Well, y'all know Uncle Charlie. Charlie don't play. <laughs> Charlie and the Gap Band has got sick with it. You know what I mean? They, I mean, they're the headliners. They got sick with it. Cool the gang. They came out doing celebrations. They turned that show into a Mardi Gras because they sounded like the album. Even Goody, he only had two singles out, but Goody's band sounded like their CD. Isley Brothers came on stage at 10 o'clock. I'll never forget it because it happened in every city till I even said enough is enough. They came out trying to do all the love ballads. First of all, you don't come out behind Charlie Wilson, Cooler Gang, and Goody with no slow show. That's a no-no because the audience is already hyped. And here you come out talking about la 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 la. Oh hell no! He gonna put me to sleep. <laughs> I'm gonna I've been used to celebrate good times. Come on. I'm on hype. And you're going, la, 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 la. Really? Dude. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, ladies and gentlemen, you don't sound like the CD. <laughs> you don't sound like the right. You don't sound like the CD. Nothing y'all are doing on stage sounds like the Isley Brothers CD. So people going, oh, man, I want my money back. Oh, man, this is bull. What the hell? That's the Isley Brothers. It ain't what you thought because if you ain't putting in the rehearsal, you're not going to sound like your CD. Seriously. And that's how, if you ever go to a concert, you can tell who's rehearsed and who ain't rehearsed because it'll be stuttered, it'll be staggered, and they'll be like, well, what are we going to do next? The groups that's tight, that show flows. From good evening, ladies and gentlemen, to God bless you, we love you, Chicago. Thank you for coming out. Good night. That's the group that put in the time. That's the group that stole the show. That's the group who, out front, their merchandise manager just did $1,000 in CD sales. Right. And that's why you hip hoppers, if you're going to get a band, you got to rehearse them. And your road manager's job, tour manager, slash road manager, is his job to make sure that you sound like your CD. Don't go out there front. Don't be rapping. 
Don't be rapping one way and get up there on stage and rap another way. Because I'm telling you, the old school fellas, we're going to call you out for real in front of everybody. Because you misrepresent the industry. So we're just going to call you out like a father to his child. Boy, come here. You done screwed up. And everyone going to be like, what the hell? Right. I mean, <laughs> we're just going to call you out because you didn't put the time in and your road manager ain't doing his job. But them are your five people. Those are your five key people in your life that stay with you for life in your career. Personal manager, your business manager, your booking agent, your attorney, and your tour manager. Those are that's the tri that's the, the conglomerate. That that's the committee. Nobody gets to an artist unless they go through them. When I'm on the road with Stone City, with the Rick James Stone City band, I'm on tour. It's the minute that our bus and coaches pull up to the building, them white boys already tell everybody, gotta go talk to Greg. He's their tour manager. You want to go talk to, I ain't got no, no tip. Go talk to the tour manager. If you talk to my band people, they'll hand you one of my business cards. So go talk to our tour manager. Because that's protocol. You're not going to get to the Rick James Stone City Band. Second of all, the crew ain't going to let you near them. Let alone me. I ain't got to be around. I could be up in the box office. My crew ain't going to let you get near them. Kruger was my lighting director and my stage man ain't going to let you near the band. They're going to deal with you. They're going to deal with you because my band, they're up in the dressing room, locked away. Or they might be at the hotel. Because a lot of times when we travel, and I'm going to give you an example of what it's like to be on this level of day in the life. Now that I've given you the rules of what you're supposed to have in your life as far as management and why you need these people, without them people, you're not going to stand a fighting chance of making it. God gave you a brain. He said brains, not trains. He didn't say catch the next one. He said use what I gave you. So use your brain and get these people around you. If you don't have that in your life, ask questions. Closed mouth doesn't get fed. The dumbest question you ever ask is a question you fail to ask. So if you don't know people, ask. And I know you, that you'll say, well, Greg, how will it go about it? Go to these clubs with the top groups like Urban Jazz Coalition, Conspiracy. And go, go to their shows and meet with their crew people. Meet with their tour manager and ask questions. They will be more than happy to give you answers and guide you to the right folks. Or they might even, if you're really blessed, you, they might say, you know what? We're interested in what you got. Here's an appointment. Come into our office. Bring your, your demo. And let's listen to it. And I'm going to tell you now, in the demo, they make up their mind in the first two minutes. So you ain't got to come in there with this long track. All they want is 60 seconds. That's all they need to hear whether you're worthy and worth the time and the money to invest in. And that cussing, y'all can forget that. Y'all wonder why y'all ain't mainstream. Yeah, y'all might be underground, but let's compare numbers of the underground rapper to the Jay-Z rapper. Let's look at the bank account, shall we? <laughs> hmm. That one's 10, Jay-Z 1 billion. Any questions? That's why. Because you ain't got a cuss to get your point across. Why? And plus on top of that, look what happened to R. Kelly. R. Kelly's been banned. R. Kelly's done. Because the Mothers Against Drunk Driving, uh, there's about four organizations. Me Too. Hashtag. Uh, what's the other one? Not Me, not me Too. What's the other one? I don't know, but you know, Spotify and all. Uh, Pandora. 
Yeah. That's a rap because you don't have to do negative stuff to get ahead. You ain't got to call a woman a bitch. Because now, not only did you alienate her money, you alienated her as a woman and as a potential fan. Because if I'm going to be a bitch, why am I going to pay you? Bitches don't pay people. <laughs> so if I'm going to be a bitch, you ain't getting my money. I'm keeping my Hamilton in my pocket. But now when you're singing love songs and you're writing about stuff like Lionel Richie, yeah, I'll support you. Not a problem. As brothers, you know, the brothers is niggas. Oh, brothers ain't got to be all the niggas. Why can't he just be a man? That's what he uh, was at first anyway. Uh, at least the last time I checked, he was a man. Now, unless he, even if he's gay, he's still a man. So, so you ain't got to call it a nigga this, nigga that. Come on. You know, he's probably heard enough of that in his life. So he don't need to hear it on your record, you calling him that, trying to get your point across. Again, you done lost his 50. That 50 he was going to go get your CD with? Shoot, man, my boy over at McDonald's with the kids, eating the Big Mac across <laughs> and stuff. Because you've lost the respect of that man and his money. Because you, all that cussing on record, you don't need it. You really don't. Plus, when it comes to gigs and going concerts, a lot of promoters ain't going to touch you. Because a lot of promoters say, well, are you cussing? And, well, I can't have you on my show. Because their audience ain't that kind of audience. You got to know your audience as an artist. If you know those old school artists like you know, audience like us, and you're gonna come out going like, a motherfucker this, a motherfucker that, bitch that that's why that song Bitch Better Have My Money lasted only six weeks. Because radio said, No, I can't play that. FCC will take our license. And FCC will take your license. So that's why a lot of people one one hit wonder. Because like Lionel Richard said, how many guys are sitting down, rappers, R&B, are sitting down and writing songs with a meaning, with a message? Like Not too Luther. many anymore. No, there ain't too many anymore. I mean, Luther was on the cast that when Luther wrote, you, you understood his message loud and clear. A house is not a home. I know you're listening, ladies. A house is not a home. Meaning that when you left that man, you broke his heart. He came home from work yesterday. He turned the key, baby. He really did. He got out of his car. Turned the key, but for some reason when the door opened up, baby, you weren't there. The house just ain't home. You understand that. Okay? You understand uh, Cool in the Gang celebration. You know, you're out having fun. You're partying with your boys. You're kicking it with your girl. It's a cel It's your birthday. It's a celebration. You know, your mom and dad made it to the age of the anniversary. It's a celebration. You understand these messages in the music. Not that crazy stuff that's out now. Even in hip-hop. Let's go back to the old hip-hoppers. Kumo D. He was telling you the truth how the Wild Wild West was. I remember downtown, first 98th Street talking about New York. Thank you. <laughs> We understood that because that was a part of our life. That was something that was going on. And then you had the Sugar Hill Gang. They were a part of you. But you understood that. Hip hop, hip to the hip hop, don't stop the rocket. You understood that. And it was kids say, this is stuff you would let your kids listen to. Not that Harold turned that stuff home with that in the house. <laughs> your mama hear that? She come and smack you and say, Mom, what you had me for? We're not going to have that in the house now. You got to turn that up, boy. That's not the way your mama and your daddy and I raised you. 
people, writers, hip hoppers, write songs with a meaning, stuff that relates to everyday life. Whether it's, and Frankie Beverly's the greatest, one of the greatest poets. Joy and pain, because we all go through it on earth. The joy of being loved, the pain of losing your mother and father. Joy and pain. The joy of finding the woman you love, the pain of breaking up. You know, you understand these, these songs. So writers, sit down, take the time, think about it, and write, because that's the only way you're going to stay there you go. Stuff like that. This is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the Frankie Beverly's. I know you guys are saying, well, how come old men like you are still here? Because we learned, we got it right. We learned, we lived our life in music by the way we lived our life every day. You know, the Frankie Beverly's, the Luther Vandross, the Lionel Richie's, the Coon again, the Bobby Woolman, the Sam, the, the, the Jackie Wilson's. We lived our life every day. So we wrote about that. And that's why even to this day, 2018, our music is still getting played on the radio in rotation. So you think a lot of the new artists nowadays, they're so busy trying to talk about the life that they want to live instead of the life that they actually Doctor, you wrote a prescription that everybody should have. The life that you want to live as opposed to the life you should be living. And that's true. They write about something they want to do, but they're writing about a doc the wrong way. They're writing about trying to be big ballers. That Pop don't impress Molly. nobody. You know what I'm saying? Popping Molly. That, 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 that don't, <laughs> you know. Cody. Why would you, let me ask this. And this is addressed to the hip hop community. I know you think I'm picking on y'all, but actually I love y'all because I'm trying to educate you, trying to liberate you. Yeah, one more message. Give it to him. Y'all better listen. Here's the thing. No matter how or what, be true to yourself. Because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, when they close that casket lid and they say, we commit this body to the ground, earth to earth, dust to dust, and ashes to ashes, what did you leave me with? What do I remember you by for your music? Was it good? Was it bad? What do you want to be left by? Take the time. Ask God to help you get it right. And I promise you will have a legacy that we all love you and remember you for. Until the next time we meet, Columbus, Ohio, to all the fans out there, I want to say thank y'all for tuning in. I love y'all. I'll always be here for you. And let me give I promise I'll give you an email address. Write this down. I'll say it twice. I'll go ahead and put it on the show 83 pages. Those that want to know, my email address is GregoryThomas2777 at gmail.com. Again, my email address, if you want to ask more questions, is GregoryThomas2777 at gmail.com. If you want to reach me on Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, go to Greg Thomas dash promoter. That's Greg Thomas dash promoter on Facebook and hit me up there as well. In the meantime, in between time, remember, love is like sugar. You can't sprinkle it on others without getting a few drops on yourself. I love y'all. Bye.
Thank you so much for coming in today. Hey, we got, like I said, I just want to thank you for coming in. And it's my humble pleasure. I don't know what else to say, man, but thank you. I mean, I'm loving this right now. Teddy, you know how we end the show, man. Give us a moment. What you got on your head real quick? Oh, well, that was just short and yeah, sweet for him. Yeah, okay. Quick, man. We, uh, I we got you. We, said we, two minutes over, we so good. I'm sorry about that. It's all good. No, it's part of my fault. I shouldn't have asked you last No, you all good. It's all good. Hey, look, man, honestly, if, if we could, if we could, I'd let this interview go on for the next three to four hours. But we do have to get up out of here, man. Tune in tomorrow for the Sports Diva Show. Tune in Tuesday for the Easy E Show. Y'all know what it is, man. L Boogie, Teddy. And for Greg Thomas, thank y'all for tuning in, man. Till next Sunday. Nobody does it better. Y'all know what it is. Nobody does it better. Come closer than close, yeah. Original, they never will be. We bump it from coast to coast, yeah. We just trying to make you see. Nobody does it better. I'm sitting here tripping, my mind is blocked. Nate Dog just did it, so it's time to concoct. No one can do it better like this two-man crew They say we want here to quit us Now what y'all gonna do? Always into something, that's my name Only out for money, hey, cause that's the game People always ask me why I'm out for scratch He who has the most is he who won the match Strike one, me and Nate Dog is a match Strike two, leave them standing still in the track Strike three, you can call us 213 It's the L and the B that makes me act like a G My exhibition started back in 93 when wasn't nobody listening but warming in me To all the non-believers now I bet you see Nobody does it better than me They can come closer than close, yeah Original they never could be We bump it from coast to coast, yeah We just trying to make you see Nobody does it better. They call me DZ the spark plug, keeping it lit There's no accident for these platinum hits So when we make it, you show love Banging in your club, hanging with your thugs Giving up G-Love Do you remember back on the east side When all of us niggas used to love to ride We didn't care what we did Time was nothing to us, we were just kids Times are different now, but you still get stuck I'm not a kid no more, I just don't give a fuck So if you really think you wanna step to me Keep this in mind, nobody does it better than me Closer than close, yeah